0: Welcome to TKG's Healthcare Insights, where we explore healthcare's critical issues, challenges, and trends with a focus on achieving the quadruple aim of enhancing patient experience, improving population health, reducing costs, and improving the work life of healthcare providers and staff. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome. We're glad to have you listening today. I'm Warren Smedley with the Kinetics Group, and today we will be continuing our discussion with Danielle Bonadies, a Master's Trained Genetic Counselor and the Director of Genetics for MyGene Council. My Gene Council is a digital health company serving patients and providers by bridging the gap between genetic testing and precision medicine. By addressing the lack of accurate and timely genetic counseling information for patients and providers, Previously, Danielle served as the assistant director of the Cancer Genetic Counseling Program at the Yale School of Medicine and practiced as a clinical genetic counselor for over a decade. In this episode, we continue our discussion and Danielle shares her ideas about how to leverage genetic testing for clinical trial recruitment, as well as being able to quickly identify patients who might benefit from a new therapy. This is a fascinating topic. This is part two of our discussion. Let's pick up where we left off. So I read a lot of journal articles, and my eyes glaze over when I read some of the technical information. Do you make this easy for patients to understand?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So our goal is to really bring the reading level down as far as we can. Um, With genomics, there's always going to be you know new words for patients and so one of the things that we've incorporated is a you know hover over words that are a little bit more complex that have a dictionary we accompany most of our pieces of information with a graphic that has icons to kind of aid in uptake and digestion of the information but keep in mind that the product was designed and all the content is written by genetic counselors whose job is to make information understandable for patients. So that's been our number one priority.
0: Right. Now, there's a shortage of genetic counselors, though, to actually do those one-on-one conversations. That may be part of your mission is to help supplement the, the need for genetic counseling across a very broad population.
1: There is a shortage of genetic counselors. And really, There's so much of genetics that has become a bit more routine that a product like ours could help with, let's say, physician-initiated testing in a breast center so that all newly diagnosed breast cancer patients who met criteria for testing could have their test ordered by their clinician and the results returned by Council. And then the clinician or the staff can follow up with the patients that need additional help and guidance. So they can see the patients who test positive for a hereditary condition, whose possible surgery will be impacted by those results, or anyone who has a complicated test result that can go on to genetics even. So we're really trying to help scale the field of genetics and then use the genetic counselors for those complicated cases.
0: Right. That's brilliant. <laughs> so simple, right? Hey, I do want to ask you about the results from your poster presentation, your study. Absolutely. Because the results were really that's what really caught my attention was how many of these notifications were going out and in what categories they were going out in. And I saw that a lot of these things impact, a lot of these notifications do impact medical management. Could you kind of review the findings that you presented in your poster?
1: Absolutely. So when we looked at the data from 2020, we looked at the ACMG list of 59 genes, and we saw that we sent out 400 notifications to patients. So quite a number there. And then we broke that down into categories. As you said, most of them were in medical management, but we also saw notifications related to change in risks. So this could be an update in terms of how much risk a particular finding within a condition had, or it could be a new risk that we were learning about in a particular condition.
0: So that might impact surveillance or something like that?
1: Well, that would fall probably in medical management if it was impacting surveillance. Okay. Yeah. So the third category we saw was family information. The fourth, we had a general category. And then the fifth was in resources and support. So if we break the notifications down even further within different fields, within hereditary cancer, there were 233 notifications and most of those were in medical management. So 32% of them in medical management. And that works out to be over a year, about three per gene. Wow. So that's pretty significant. That's a lot. Yeah. And I thought I'd share an example. This example is actually from this year. But the NCCN guidelines now recommends daily aspirin use for individuals who have um, some of the mutations related with Lynch syndrome, which increases their risk for colon cancer. So that was an update that we pushed out this year related to medical management.
0: That would have a significant impact on patients who had that particular risk.
1: Exactly. And, and impact their everyday Medical management in terms of that's a medication that you would take daily.
0: So the status quo for a patient that had been diagnosed or had their genetic profiling done and said, "Okay, you have Lynch syndrome." That would have been if that had been done ten years ago. They would have no clue that this recommendation from the NCCN had been changed. So their behavior might not change at all. Am I following?
1: Right. And I would say that the majority of patients who have Lynch syndrome right now may not have gotten that update. I mean, that's a guess on my part, but I think that they may get it when they see their gastroenterologist, but they aren't getting it the next day or the next week when these guidelines come out. And Warren, we saw the same thing when we broke the list down into the hereditary cardiac conditions, we sent 165 notifications, which turned out to be about 5.5 notifications per gene. And again, most of them were either in medical management or within our kind of general category. Each of those were represented 22% each.
0: Wow. That is fascinating. Very interesting. Tell me who, who are you really working with to develop this program further?
1: Yeah. So I would say the primary way that we improve our product is from feedback from our actual clients. So the health systems, but also the clinicians and the patients that are using it. But then as a company, we're also tuned in to the genetics communities. So we serve on a variety of panels. We also speak at conferences nationally And then we're involved in some working groups as well. So always keeping a pulse on what's going on in terms of the genetics community and what's kind of the wave of what's happening next. And I think what we're seeing right now is that there's a lot of interest in the proactive health space. And so now instead of selecting individuals who have certain risk factors in their personal or family history, genetics is becoming something that anyone can have. You can go online and order not a kind of entertainment type of genetic testing, but a real medical grade type of testing that you can make medical decisions with. And so that's kind of a shift that's happening right now in the genomics community.
0: So do you have a way to connect with individuals who who do that on their own and then say, oh, shoot, I don't know how to interpret this?
1: We are developing many programs that kind of service the whole spectrum of learning about what the test might be having, you know, working with a laboratory, having the test, and then providing the digital genetic counseling afterwards so that we can offer these services responsibly so that patients aren't left on their own kind of going to Dr. Google, but we're really providing them not only, you know, best in class testing, but also best in class services in terms of genetics and genomics.
0: Excellent. Well, one of the things that inspired me about your study was making the connection between the patient and their therapy. And ideally, we want to get the patient on the right therapy at the right time, ideally to give them the best possible chance of a good outcome in their care. Or in your case, it could be other hereditary conditions or risks like cardiovascular issues. Life science companies are constantly developing new opportunities to address some of these risks, these diseases, and a lot, of these new, a lot of these new therapies require a specific biomarker or some kind of a genetic test, or they have a companion diagnostic that goes with that particular therapy. Are you working in any way to help sort of bridge that gap? Because there is a big gap if, if we don't understand the companion diagnostic results, then it's hard to get the right therapy to the patient at the right time.
1: Yes, I think that's right. what you've outlined is really the promise of precision medicine, right? Getting the right drug to the right patient at the right time. And a lot of that these days is dependent on the genetics of the person in terms of their inherited genetics, and then also the genetics of their tumor. So we saw this a few years ago with PARP inhibitors, So this is an oral medication that's often used in combination with other types of treatment like surgery or chemotherapy, and it works particularly well for individuals who have inherited BRCA mutations. So we also then learned that it's effective in individuals who have BRCA mutations and others that are like that in their tumor cells or somatic mutations. So if you're a clinician and a new drug like this gets Approval for either prevention or for treatment, how do you find the right patient to take the right drug? And so now I think, you know, the status quo is that the clinicians wait for the patients to present. You know, they have a follow up appointment or if they're in active care, they um, wait for the next appointment. And so we saw the same problem at Yale when we have an update. We knew it would impact our patients. And so this was before electronic medical records, so I'm kind of dating myself here, but we would stand in our office surrounded by these filing cabinets, knowing that there were patients in there that we had information that would impact them, but didn't have the way to identify the list of patients for which it applied. So now we can, we can turn this model around. So with My Gene Council, we've given clinicians a database Of their patients by genetics. So they can search it, they can filter it, and they can hone in on the list of of patients that they're looking for. So secondly, we can also deliver clinicians those notifications that will actually just pop up about a particular drug or treatment that's now available. And in our platform, we tie that update to a list of those clinicians' patients for which that update applies. So they instantaneously have that list. And then we've also gone that step further. You know, we said no person is more invested in their own condition than the patient themselves. So let's put it in the hands of patients. So that's kind of what we've done for anyone on the platform. But with life science companies, I think there's a particular opportunity. So many clinical trials are being developed based on genetics. So we said inherited genetics or someone's tumor's genetics. With my gene council, we can actually send out an invitation to our entire database population, and let them know about a clinical trial for which they apply. Wow! You know, today, if you go today, if you go to, um, you know, your community hospital versus you go to a major academic center in a big city. The opportunities that you have for clinical trials are going to be vastly different.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: But why? It's based on the hospital administration, the contracts that they've made, and thus then the clinical trials for which they offer. But why not offer the clinical trial to all patients based on their genetics and let the patient decide if they're willing to travel to that city that's actually not that much further away? put the put the decision in their hands.
0: that's exciting. That's really exciting to see that kind of an opportunity coming forward through technology. Technology is giving us a lot of advantages.
1: Yeah, I think there's a shift that's coming in genetics, and hopefully it will apply to the rest of healthcare too. But genetic testing has been this transactional in- interaction. And I'm sure we've all had our own experiences in healthcare that have felt a little bit more transactional and others that have felt more lasting and long-term. And so we need to bring that particularly to the genetics world where we have such the opportunity for prevention if people have the right information at the right time. And so instead of offering a person one genetic test one time, or one genetic counseling appointment one time, we need to look at this as a lifelong journey. These are lifelong conditions that impact the patient and their family over the course of many years. And so we need to try to take genetics and potentially healthcare to that longer-term vision.
0: You mentioned in your report, actually, that the number of genes being tracked is growing significantly. Do you want to touch on that quickly?
1: Absolutely. So the list that we used, I mentioned, was the ACMG list of 59. While we were writing up the paper, the list actually expanded to 73 genes. And individuals like Francis Collins have suggested that this list is going to grow to 200 genes by 2030. And that's not really that far away. Wow! So not only does the list of actionable genes grow, but the numbers of individuals that are impacted and the amount of information that needs to be returned, it's really exponential. So as we think of the amount of data that needs to be monitored and then processed and returned to patients, it's really quite incredible.
0: Almost overwhelming if if you stop and think about it.
1: Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Danielle, Absolutely. thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been a great discussion. I know that knowledge is doubling so fast that it's really critical for us to find ways to stay on top of this information so that we can get the best therapy to the each patient correctly at the right time, in the right amount, given the best possible outcomes. Our focus at, at TKG has been really around the quadruple aim of trying to enhance patient experience, improve population health, reduce costs, and improve the work life of healthcare providers and staff. Thank you for all you're doing at MyGene Council to help make it easier for us to stay on top of this information.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Warren. It's been a pleasure to talk with you today.
0: Thank you again, Danielle. We are so grateful for your insights today. Well, that wraps up another week of TKG's Healthcare Insights. Thank you for joining us. We welcome your suggestions, ideas and requests for podcast topics of interest. Please email us at oncology@thekineticsgroup.com at and write Insights Podcast in the subject line. Thank you, have a safe and healthy day. You have been listening to TKG's Healthcare Insights, a program produced by the TKG Oncology team of The Kinetics Group. TKG Oncology empowers life science companies to effectively engage with health system and payer customers by developing strategies and real-world solutions aimed at impacting the right patient at the right time with the right care. We also work directly with health systems and payers to address the critical issues of our time. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at tkgoncology.com. Thank you for joining us today.